decade, experts assured us we did not need to save because our homes were worth so much. Since then, of course, our stock portfolios and our homes have plummeted in value. It turns out the fabulous stock returns of the 1990s and the glorious real estate results of earlier this decade were effectively borrowing from the future, and that future arrived with stomach-churning ferocity. The lesson? Do not use great investment returns as an excuse to cut back your savings rate, because great returns may be followed by wretched ones. 5. Perhaps the smart money is not so smart. The earlier part of this decade was a time of great financial envy, as we watched the smart money buy into hedge funds, private equity, and other investments that were beyond the reach of ordinary investors. We imagined that they were getting mouth-watering returns while we were left to invest in mundane mutual funds. Glorious returns? Alas, it did not turn out that way for those who invested with Bernie Madoff and his ilk. But that is enough for me. It is time to listen to Bill. The odds are you will be wiser for his words, and maybe wealthier, too. Jonathan Clements, author The Little Book of Main Street Money, July 2009 Preface I wrote my last investment book almost eight years ago, and I swore I would never write another. That was for two reasons. The first was that finance is a relatively circumscribed field, not that much is really known for certain. The body of knowledge that the individual investor or even the professional needs to master is pitifully small. If most finance academics were asked to compile a body of truly essential scholarly articles, their lists would generally not be more than several dozen long. On the other hand, put the average doctor, social worker, or scientist to that task, and the required reading would fill many shelves, if not whole rooms. In short, I had said most of what I needed to say about finance in my first two books. Until now. The financial meltdown of 2008-2009 drastically changed the investment landscape, and if there ever was a time to leapfrog my previous books, it is now. This is a teachable moment, and I intend to use it, to clearly and concisely enunciate a set of timeless investment principles. In 1934, the father of the science of modern value investing, Benjamin Graham, wrote a great brick of a book, Security Analysis, which spelled out today's commonly accepted techniques for evaluating stocks and bonds, and it remains to this day required reading for anyone seriously interested in finance. As with any comprehensive, variegated work, it strikes individual readers in different ways. Graham's graceful prose and methodical composition bowled me over, a shining exemplar for any financial writer. He illuminated a devastated investment terrain of the battered stocks and bonds of the nation's once mighty corporations strewn about and nearly available for the taking. In short, an environment not unlike today's. Graham almost alone among his generation of investors, ran the numbers and concluded that anyone with cash to spare was crazy not to own at least some stocks. He recommended a 50-50 stock-bond split. Today, most would consider this allocation conservative, but in 1934 it struck most as certifiably reckless. When I first read Security Analysis decades ago, Graham's descriptions of those chaotic long-ago markets reminded me of a B-movie about the fall of Rome. Faintly interesting, but hardly relevant to the placid and modern financial scene. I was wrong. Dead wrong. The markets are placid no longer. 
and at some points in 2008 and 2009, the resemblance of valuations to those of 1934 were closer than most of us would have liked. In the not-too-distant future, they may yet be again. As in the depths of the Great Depression, there are now generous returns to be had for the brave, the disciplined, and the liquid. If there was ever a time to own a prudent portfolio that includes equities for the long term, it is now. My second reason for not wanting to consider another finance book had more to do with ideology than financial economics. Successful investing requires a skill set that very few people possess. This is difficult for me to admit. After all, I have written two books premised on the idea that anyone, given the proper tools, can turn the trick. Once again, I was wrong. Having emailed and spoken to thousands of investors over the years, I have come to the sad conclusion that only a tiny minority will ever succeed in managing their money even tolerably well. Successful investors need four abilities. First, they must possess an interest in the...